Today, we're here with Doug Scott with Dependable Fire Protection. You'll find out how Scott's lack of a spiritual mentor early in life has inspired him to be intentional about discipleship. How does that discipleship play out in his business? Stay tuned as we find out how Doug lives out his faith in the context of owning dependable fire protection. Boy, it's early. I think this is the earliest podcast we've done, too. So just want to chat about a few things. Dependable fire protection, right? Absolutely. Okay. And you guys do primarily... Basically, yeah. Yeah, we do automatic <laughs> sprinkler systems. Okay. Uh, we kind of stay in our lane, so we do a lot of wet, dry, pre-action systems. What, uh, do, what do you, what is, I'm sorry, wet, <laughs> dry, pre-action systems? Yeah, so basically, uh, typically we'll run uh, systems that have water in them all the time, mm-hmm. designed for the occupancy load, you know, so when a sprinkler head fuses, we get water instantly. Dry systems basically have pressurized air so that the system doesn't freeze, head goes off, water's delivered through a valve and then you get water to it. Mm-hmm. Pre-action is a little bit different, whereas we take using an electrical device, smoke or heat, have it pre-trip the valve, and then now you still got pressurized air. When the head fuses, now we get air, or now we get water. So it, it, those systems are kind of used. They're not used a ton, but they're used in things in which you want to make sure before you put water on it that it really is a fire. So you, yeah. like... You, Data centers, data centers, museums. Even sometimes we'll put them in large gymnasiums with a wood floor. Oh, you want to make sure that somebody didn't hit hit that with a baseball, Uh, knock the sprinkler head off. We want to make sure that we also really have a fire. So, got you. So, kind of a secondary switch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, goodness, you learn something every day. Absolutely. Maybe you know what? Forget all the other stuff we were (laughs) going to talk about. I want to learn about this fire suppression. Exactly. We could run a whole podcast on that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So you're dealing with commercial clients. Nobody's putting fire suppression systems in their homes. Um, No, we actually are. We're doing residential. Residential has been a huge push. And the reason being a couple things. One, you got larger homes. They're putting them closer together. Probably you can't get a fire truck around the back. You have a lot of disabled people or older folks that are living with their parents again. They want to make sure that they have protected homes that they can get out. We do, on average, I'm going to guess somewhere between three to four single family dwellings a year. So okay. it's definitely increased in, in, and they're going to see, you're going to see it increase even more as the building code continues to change. Oh, sure. We'll see it coming more and more, but. Yes. Yes. That's a whole yes. other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Uh, yeah. So, Doug, talk to me. You know, we def we're 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 looking to see faith play out. But you you've got a faith story. You had had a few wild days and wild, drove yep. some fast cars and yeah. <laughs> so yep. t- walk us through walk us through pre Jesus Doug and after Jesus Doug. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting. So pre Jesus Doug is I'm I'm a, I'm a crowd pleaser. I'm a funny guy. I'm the guy that is the class clown, basically running through middle school get to about the eighth grade and I'm on cloud nine because I'm kind of running the whole place, you know, sitting in a Sunday school class and basically a lady that has since passed away, but a friend of our family was teaching Sunday school and she brings the, the everybody needs Jesus story. And um, it really did. The spirit really moved me. And that day after class, she led me to Christ. Mm. And I'll be honest, it really did. It really did sink in I, that I, that I was different, that I felt that I was definitely different in a lot of ways. The sad part was at that time in an old Baptist church, this was their discipleship. They handed me a King James Version Bible, 
had no notes or anything, just a plain old King James and two columns and said, you know what you need to do is read that. And I said, where should I start? And the beginning would be good. So the problem is, is about by the time I got to the 15th chapter of Genesis, my my discipleship, if you would, have just kind of wore on me. I just didn't understand. I, I The language was hard to understand, and I couldn't understand how that word was going to change my life. Mm. So I found it easier to be a crowd pleaser and go back to entertaining, and that's kind of what I did. With that, of course, now you're going to be a freshman in high school. Had an older brother in high school, two years older, and he was in the cool club, so I wanted to be in the cool club. But to do that, I was going to walk some really bad lines when it comes to walking with Christ, because you're going to choose to be entertaining. You're going to choose things that are not of Christ. And I did, to be cool. Some of that was underage drinking. My 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 dad was a trustee at the church. So, you know, you had to kind of keep things hidden. But then we got into cars. We restored old cars, 55 to 57 Chevys. My brother drove one, I drove one, my dad drove one. And so fast cars and trying to entertain people didn't go really well for my walk. So through high school, to be honest with you, I really didn't have much of a walk with Jesus. I knew I was saved, I just didn't understand how could I apply that to my life. And in that, somewhere through that thing, I honestly, to be honest with you, I, I, I started to have a porn issue, started to have a lust issue. And, you know, that's one of those things where you will yourself to get rid of that on your own, but you get dragged back a lot. Does not work. So then you get the guilt, you get the failure thing, and it just continues to work in cycles. And uh, to be honest with you, you're not really very pleased with yourself. So to do that, to mask that, you become more of the class clown, more of the entertainer. And I found myself in every activity I could find. It just keeps yourself busy and people like you. So mm-hmm. when you're liked by people in your mind, in your heart, you're like, I'm a good guy. Everybody wants to be around me. The only problem is with that is that when we really put the measuring stick back to where it should be in Christ, that we fail. We're just falling really short of that So. So then I took that on and went on and, like I said, went into college my first year. And I'll be honest with you, college was kind of interesting. The only thing that really went up there was my bowling score. We had a bowling alley very close to campus, and for a dollar you could get three games and shoes. And uh, I, I really did not really care for the college. It was just a local college here in Muskegon, and I just really just wanted to get out and make money and follow my dad into the construction was my plan. My dad worked in fire protection and that really was where my desire came. So, but what happened was Jesus wouldn't let go of me. Mm-hmm. And so I had uh, got married, honestly, really quickly out of high school within two years. Had my first child. I was 19, and that's young to become a dad. Mm-hmm. And the uh, problem was the marriage was not based on Christ at all. Mm-hmm. And it was not good for either of us, to be honest. The only good thing I always say that came out of that marriage was my, was my oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as that marriage on paper lasted about three years and I came out of that, that was the first time I really, really went back to Christ. I couldn't figure out why somebody didn't want to be the funny guy. Somebody didn't want to be the nice guy. And it really it really blew my mind. But I found out Christ did. Christ wanted to be with me. And the pastor that really met with me, I had a lot of issues to handle. One was Christ wants me. Two, what about the the closet? What about the the lust thing in the closet? And and three, what about what about him? When am I going to turn and go for him? So I was able to, through that, really start to understand who Christ was, started to grow, and knew that if I was to ever remarry, it had to be somebody that really was following Christ. And that's where my current wife comes into play. And, you know, we, we've been very fortunate. We'll be celebrating 33 years this year, three more kids. So we got four total, and 
four grandkids, but like you said, it's one of them that that's where Christ really became real. Mm. And he can redeem. I'll be honest with you, the my marriage with my current spouse is just incredible. And mm. when you marry somebody that is also following Christ, the two of you can really sharpen iron because she's your mirror. She's mm-hmm. the closest one. Mm-hmm. You can try to fake out anybody else. But <laughs> you ain't faking her. You're not faking out the wife. So when she notices something's not right or you're reacting in a different way, she's very encouraging to say, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And that to me has what's really grown us. And so there's where I'm at. There's where you're at today. It's, there's where uh, we're at today. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Like I said, it's hard when you're. You know, it's hard when you talk about yourself sometimes because you don't really think about, and you can go on and on how Christ just delivers you in all different ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like the before five podcast. Right. If we ever had one on, on marriage, even my current marriage, man, you could just see how Christ just brings you out of you. Funny how that works. Christ doesn't change, but boy, he, he really is going to mold you. You're either soft, clear, clay or a hard rock either way he's getting his way so right it's exactly. really up to you you exactly. know what i'm saying you want exactly. to get chiseled or you just want to get molded softly <laughs> right. it's really up to you it's up to you and typically i'm hard-headed i'm usually one of them guys that usually gets molded the hard way and that is the hammer and the chisel has to come out right right or the two by four yeah oh absolutely or the two by six as it were (laughs) when when jesus leads you to the woodshed it can be pretty bad (laughs) right but on the other side of it looking back you can be like okay yeah it's real love that leads you to the woodshed that's the problem we don't like that but that's really what it is absolutely you know real love's the one that says i care enough to change you you know Ooh. and i'll tell you what that that's really the hard part so yeah. No. Oh. So now, obviously, business. Yeah. Where did that come into the story? You you briefly touched on that as yeah. far as going to college and just wanting to get out and make some money. So, dad, yeah. did yeah. dad dad run this business and you no. took it over? Or no, my dad basically, my dad won. You know, one of those eighth grade deals you get to go to to work with your parent. Right. Got to go with my dad, and he was a field superintendent of a local company, and we spent the day up in Traverse City, and that was about the time I was saved. Shortly thereafter, and I got to be honest with you. My dad impressed me so much that I didn't know about him. He was strong. He was tall. He was well-respected, carried himself really well. And, and I can remember coming home thinking, I want to be like him. I want to mm-hmm. I want to follow him in this fire protection business. Mm-hmm. So that kind of set the journey that way. And I made it known to him. And so anytime that he could get me involved in maybe working in the shop that, that he, he was working at or... Even actually doing some sketch drawings back then, we used to trace trace over the top of oh, old blueprints. blueprints. And okay. so they would have me block in walls and ceilings. Even in the ninth, 10th grade, I would take that stuff to school and work in an engineering class on that stuff. No kidding. So it was just kind of in my blood that way. But yeah, so as I got a chance and I got out of school and it was not a great time. We're talking about I graduated in 83. Mm-hmm. Um, so Reaganomics was just starting to take off because the economy was incredible. I, I looked the other day, I found my first mortgage was 18.2%. So when you guys Crap. think you got high mortgage rates today, you haven't seen anything. Ah, um, that's like predatory lending anymore. <laughs> it's bad. It was tough. And so so with that, I couldn't get in the fire protection because they didn't have any openings. Mm-hmm. So I worked for a local lumberyard in construction and I can remember my dad calling and saying, hey, we got a spot open for an apprenticeship, but you got to be down here quickly. So I quit that job within the hour and was down to their shop within the hour and went to work on Monday. Mm. And that got me into the field of fire protection wise. So 
that really started to change my career path as in now I knew I was in. I love the industry. I love that we are life safety, that we save buildings and property. I really do. I really think it's a great, it's a great industry to be in. So so my dad and I were able to work with each other. So I really got into the fire protection full time, if you would, at the start of 1985. Okay. So you're basically just out of nine, high school. 19. Yeah. 19. Yep. Just got newly married, had have, have a baby very quickly. Was, was dad walking with Jesus at this time? My dad was walking with Jesus, but it was a hidden walk. Ah, um, he was you. a trustee. He wore a suit and a tie. We were in an old Baptist church mm-hmm. that had a lot of issues with legalism. I never really witnessed my dad like doing devotions or mm. prayer on his own. Mm. But my dad was first when the church was there, a first guy in. Mm-hmm. My dad was a guy that was fixing leaky toilets and boilers. And mm-hmm. so we were always part of projects around the church. We knew how to serve that way. He served, okay. But my dad just was not able to express his walk. Mm. And when you're a kid that's floundering, it was, it was a little tough. Right. Just trying to see the example. My mom had been saved a long time, mm-hmm. but again, that walk was very private. Mm. You just didn't see it. We prayed before every meal. Hey, there you go. You know, and it was, <laughs> it was my dad always led in prayer before every meal, mm-hmm. but he just really didn't see that walk. If something big in the family happened, illness or something like that, I could see that faith mm-hmm. come out a little more, but mm-hmm. mainly it was kind of one of those things we knew, but we didn't really talk about it. So. Got you. Right, right. And I think that's, you know, kind of direction, this podcast of, you know, just encouraging, being encouraged to to make that a little bit, yeah. a little bit, not necessarily visible in the sense of look at me, but right. for that particular purpose. I mean, right. that would have blessed you hugely to have dad, Absolutely. have dad visibly walking and yeah. intentionally, you know, pouring yeah. into you as well as, hey, son, why don't, why don't we, you know, what are you, what are you reading in that? Yo, right. you got to chapter 15 and you're right. frustrated. What's, what's going on there? Yep. So... Yeah, that definitely would have been help. So so during this time, you are now working in an apprenticeship. Yep. And then you go through then the journeyman, the whole process. Yeah, there. So, is that how it works? In, yeah, is yeah. that pipe so, fitters or yep, what is that? Yep, that is fire sprinkler fitters. So Oh, so it, it's separate than even like a yep, pipe fitter. Okay. Yep, it's its own separate entity. So I'm going through the apprenticeship and two years in, I'm out on a job site at GM and 36th Street, and I broke my hand. Broke my hand at three spots, my right hand, and tried to continue to pull wrenches with a cast. I even had them redo the cast a few times so I mm-hmm. could pull wrenches. But they were really busy in the office, and they said, hey, you had a little bit of engineering experience, and you also worked in the shop. Could you come in and list stockless things for, for the engineering department? So that's what I did. Once I got in the office, I never left. Once mm. the hand healed, the engineering to me came very natural. Mm-hmm. That's what I went to college to to do was to be mm-hmm. a mechanical engineer. Mm-hmm. So we're still drawn on the boards. It's still, you know, the computer looked more like a kind of like a suitcase, if you would, had a, you know, a six by six amber screen or a green screen, <laughs> right. had a couple floppy disks, five and a half inch floppies. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It was just amazing. But Forest. so I ended up going right into engineering and and just never left there. Right. With that, I had a great opportunity to learn under one of the older guys, taught me so much as he was getting ready to retire. And so I was able to go from engineering into the engineering design and work with my dad. My mm. dad was the manager of the division now. Oh, okay. So he'd moved up. And we were able to work through that. And basically, everything went really well. And then 1990 came, and the company that we worked for got themselves into a little bit of trouble on a bonded wastewater treatment job Mm. because they did more than just fire protection, and they had to downsize quickly. And Mm. so that was the first time my dad and I split. 
from working with each other. Mm. And so I went one direction with a competitor. He went another direction and went into fabrication, a sprinkler fabrication shop. And he basically was the was the estimator, if you would, for that local fabrication shop. So, so 1990, that yeah. puts you, you, you were already divorced by that time. Yep. I was already divorced. Yep. Actually. And I was uh, 90, Sue and I were just getting married in 1990, fall and of 1990. Getting married and starting a new downsize the company. Yep. She had just got back into nursing school. That was her dream to be an RN. Mm -hmm. So she gets enrolled back in Grand Valley. She's just starting class. And you know how God works things out? Two weeks after she's into class, I lose my job. Mm. Good news was I landed a job quickly. I mean, within hours, but it's still, it was still very stressful. So, mm -hmm. so, so now we're a young couple and we have, I'd gotten custody of my daughter, my oldest daughter. And so Sue becomes instant mom mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we basically get married and she's pursuing nursing and I am on my fire protection way to basically another company and start, start with that. First time away from my dad, and mm -hmm. good news was that my walk was definitely getting better. Got you. You know, Sue was definitely, we were pursuing Christ a lot more than I ever was before. And you had a pastor pouring into you? Had a pastor pouring into me, yep, and things were going well, and he was the pastor that married us, and things were going well, and probably a year into that, the pastor leaves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when a pastor leaves and you're attached, it's sad. Mm -hmm. So he ends up in Grand Haven. So we tried to drive that to Grand Haven, but you cannot drive. When you're driving 45, 50 minutes one way, you're not attached to the church. You're only there on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And so then I figured out that maybe the pastor was an idol. So, mm. so we did find a local church not far from us. Great at, 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 at the Bible, really good. Was that Kent um, City? That was Kent City, yeah. We had, we had Pastor Chris on the on the podcast. Here, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. So Pastor Chris was actually the youth pastor. It was Tom right. Hammond was actually the right. senior pastor. And Tom was taking a church that was full of legalism. And he was really called by, I believe, God to turn that into a grace-driven church at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was coaching his boys in football as I was still coaching in football. Mm -hmm. So got to really get to know him. And that was really a great thing. So that was awesome. And it worked out really well. How long did you work for this other company then? Basically, I floated with a few, a few companies until 1993. Okay. So in 1993, there was myself and my dad, and my dad was still working at the fabrication shop, and there was another gentleman named Denny that worked with me. And uh, we ran into this guy that had a small business for up in Harrison, Michigan. We ran into him actually in Lansing at a mm. job, and we let him borrow some 90s, and he said, hey, I'll buy your lunch. So we sat down to lunch, and he's like, you know, anybody wants to buy a company? <laughs> and I'm like, holy cow. So as we were heading back to Lansing, I was talking to Denny in the car and just said, did you hear that? And he says, oh, I don't think he was serious. No, I think he was. I think he was serious. <laughs> he was 28 years old. He'd had a heart attack, and his doc said, you got to get rid of this company. He only had three people. Oh, wow. Uh, it was just a small little company. So over a matter of time, I talked to my dad, talked to Denny. The three of us said, hey, I, I think we're interested. So we went up, met with a guy a couple weekends in a row. Basically, we kind of laughed. It wasn't two men in a truck. It was actually three men in two trucks, <laughs> but only one truck ran. <laughs> so we ended up working out a deal with them, and we ended up purchasing it, and we loaded up all his inventory, trucked it back here, and basically we, we started really our version of dependable fire protection. Got you. So it was a company that you purchased. Yep. It was really small. Oh, so 
pretty much ground up. You pretty much yeah. start, you bought equipment. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Did you buy any contracts from him? He had three that were not started yet that came with him, okay. which was kind of nice because you got oh, something to work on. Something to start with, yep, sure. absolutely. And uh, so the first thing we did when we got in there, the first job we landed was Walmart and Luddington. Hmm. for us. So we went from just being a small, hey, we got our name on, because everybody's like, who are them guys? Well, right. that was us. So it was humble beginnings, grew, just kept continued. God kept blessing us as we continued to grow. So what'd you do that first year in business dollar-wise? Do you remember? Yeah, just under 300,000. Okay. Yep. And, and so where are you at today? We do 4.5 million. Okay. okay. We have been doing that on purpose for probably the last 10 to 12 years. And a, so you haven't really lifted above that. One time we spiked up in there, like in 2009, it was pretty easy pickings. We were oh, doing okay. a lot of box stores. Mm. We were on about 5.5, but the only issue was we were in 15 states to do it. Oh. And uh, that's tough on your guys. And mm-hmm. and then the economy, if mm-hmm. you remember, crashed. And yep. so we got to learn a great lesson. We only we had 82% of our volume was in retail. And that's not good when they stop building. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we had to diversify quickly. So yeah. So Basically, yeah, God is really blessed as I, as I look back. So why why 4.5? It's just because it's 40 employees. We like to know them. We're family-orientated. We want to know your wife's name. We want to know your kids' names. So it's more important to you as far as that's concerned to deal yeah. with. To deal with. Okay, yeah. so you're... So you've yeah. been running that amount. Do you, are you so? Are you saying no to jobs? Or are you oh just no, not yeah. Well, there's times. Well, there's times. So what we do is we basically have a, a group of really good general contractors that we do a lot of negotiated work with. And we say no a lot, especially if it's if it's a long ways, you know, if it's a long ways from home, we say no. So uh, you don't really have a sales team then? There's no, not, not sales More team. More of an estimating yeah, team exactly, than a sales yeah. team. Design estimators, there's three of us that basically are part of our job or all of our job is getting work. So Got you. Yeah. And so you're just building relationships and rubbing shoulders with your absolutely. existing contractors. We, we really feel the best customer is the repeat one. Oh, absolutely. You Same know? here. Yeah. So what we end up doing is exactly that. We try to get an opportunity. There's times that we will actually look and target somebody that we think is up and coming. We'll go meet with them. Mm-hmm. What can we do to get on that mm-hmm. bid list? What can we do to get up to bat, if you would? Mm-hmm. Once we get up to bat, we do everything we can to stay in their graces. So so then your control over, so you're, you're growing your, your, you are growing your customer base. Yeah. But then are you just to make, because as you do that, obviously there's more work, then right. are you just shrinking your service area then? or No. So what we do is it's a balance. It's a really fine balance. Mm-hmm. So we always try to be honest with customers. If they're in the area and we can do the work, we're going to do the work. If we can't, if we don't have enough people, which has mm-hmm. been a huge thing over the past few years mm-hmm. due to the economy, we just got to be upfront with them. Because mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do is take and, and lie to somebody and try to take something we can't do. So Right. So that's really where we're at. We just try to be upfront, try to be honest, and we are always looking, like right now, we, we basically are always looking five, six quarters ahead, as in what we're landing and putting well, in those buckets. And these size construction yep. projects, you, you've you got some, yep. I mean, fire protection, you're, you know, yep. shell's got to be up, everything. Yep. And so you you have to look that far right. ahead because you're doing estimates today right. for next you year's got it. work. Absolutely. So we're always looking for the schedule. When do we have to be on site? Mm-hmm. How right. many guys is it going to take? Right. So we spend a lot of time in what we call pre-planning, you know, trying to make sure that we have enough work for all of our people, but yet don't run yourself so short that we are going to embarrass ourselves. So Right. Absolutely. So that's the balance. Okay. So now, Doug... We we had emailed and talked yep. about some different things that I I think are are important. It's my understanding that you you have a lot of discipleship opportunities through your 
work here. Yeah. And so I want to touch on that a little bit. You know, yep. you had talked about dad, et cetera. And so, but out of that, I know that, you know, God has really gifted you in that area and, and allowed you to see some awesome fruit from, yeah. from have, from kind of flipping that from right. what dad was doing to what you're doing. So I know that, but then I also want to take some time to touch on some concepts of, you know, kind of today's today's labor market right. and, and talk about some of that stuff. So yeah. let's talk first a little bit about discipleship and how that works. And yeah. Chris Chris said to us that you even bring folks on mm-hmm. primarily for the discipleship opportunity. Yep. Yep. So what happened was, uh, like I said, my two, my dad and my other partner ended up, they're both re- retired. Both have been purchased out. So my wife and I, Sue, we basically have the opportunity and the responsibility to own this. So the first thing that we did was we really went to prayer and just said, God, this is your company. Mm-hmm. Now, some people talk about it and, you know, you can put a little fish on the back of your van. Right. But do you really believe that? Well, with that, then I've got to give God the opportunity to lead people here, even if it doesn't make sense all the time business-wise. Right, right. So we have had some really opportunities to really show the face of Christ. So a lot of times we'll have somebody that we've heard of that might be hurting that has no experience in construction, no experience in fire protection, Mm -hmm. but they're on their back and they need a job. Mm -hmm. If we feel nudged by the Spirit to to hire that person, we're going to hire that person. And sometimes we know they're only with us a short time. Right. Three months, six months, nine months, right. and just enough to get on their feet and move on. If that's what God wants to use his company for, we're good with that. Mm-hmm. But we also love the idea that we can do discipleship. So what happens is is everybody, it's when, you, when you're in a company, it's like a family. Everybody, it's all one relation. You have relationships that are built. Not everybody here, honestly, knows Christ. Mm-hmm. So we need to be the face of Christ whenever we can be. Mm-hmm. And that is a really hard line. So we always try to extend grace. We always try to be truthful because I think there's a balance of truth and grace that we have to bring. But if we have the means and God is at all leading us to say we can help that situation out, we're going to help it out. So how does that jive with an interview process? <laughs> Let me tell well, you. Well, Jesus works. told me to yep. hire you, yep. so your qualifications yep. are pretty much nothing to me. You can throw that resume away. I got to be honest with you. You know, we have to. We, of course, we still have legal things that you got to go through, mm-hmm. and that is they fill out an application. We talk, and there's things we can ask. We can't ask, and typically we just let the spirit kind of lead it. And that's the one thing that that we really do enjoy because they all have stories, right. you know, and they all have hurts, and they all have a past, right. How is it that they have been led to our door? Mm. I don't believe there's any coincidences in Christ. So when somebody comes and we see that, we're looking for things beyond what they can do with their hands. We're also looking for what can they bring. As in, do they have good character? Are they men of integrity? Do they have a family? Are they? What is their situation? So, yeah, that, it, it is unique. I, I'll be honest. There are times in which we might make a decision, me and my superintendent or maybe one of my other leaders, to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. And then I got to very gently tell my wife, here's who we hired. <laughs> so your wife picks up the pieces. She's like, yeah, yeah. Because Let's she, get uh, in here, right? <laughs> she is head of HR. And there are times in which, you know, we, we have the application, but, you know, there's a lot of other things that sometimes it's like, okay, all right, this is, the, this is how we're going to do it. So I think you just have to be open. I think mm. if you're a Christian leader today, be open. That is... God truly has got this company, then you have to have faith that he's going to bring the work you need when you need it. He's also going to bring the people to do the work mm-hmm. when you need it. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's also that balance point of he might just use this just for his glory and something we don't even get to see. So right. we don't know if that's a seed. Yeah, right. we don't know if that's a seed planted. We don't know what that is. You know, so yeah, it, it's 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 an interesting thing. So your your process then is is twofold. And do you see typically the prompting from the spirit in the initial somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, I think this person needs a job? Or do you see that in the interview room? Or do you see it all over the place? Where where, where does that show up yeah, the I, most in history? Yeah, all over. I try to keep in contact with our local church, Kent City. And, and I'm always looking, if I'm looking for somebody, I'm always trying to go through those chains because, you know, a lot of times it's just somebody knows somebody who knows somebody. Mm. And with that, you know, we get a lot of people that will come in that way. So it's an avenue for both of us. The other thing is because they know me also in this company, they'll say, hey, so-and-so just lost his job. Do you have anything temporarily? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we if we do, we're going to- Got you a gopher to, to run to the truck and back. Whatever, whatever. it is. If he's yep. looking for three months, and we, you know. We whatever. put sometimes, we'll put them in the shop. Somebody might have the ability to do everything from our landscape to our mowing mm-hmm. our lawn to whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. If, if it makes sense to us, we're going to try to accommodate that if we really believe God's led that person here. So Got you. So it's, it's kind of, I'll be honest with you, it's exciting because sometimes I look back and I'm like, there is no doubt God led that person here. So we're very much also, sometimes people need second chances. Maybe they did something that wasn't great in their past. Maybe that's a criminal past. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, to be honest with you, that's between God and them. And mm-hmm. and once I, I, as an employer, might need to know that, but nobody else needs to know that. Right. Somebody's in charge. Somebody yeah. messed with embezzlement or yeah. something. Obviously, they're not going to handle yeah. finances. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Let's keep so, away from that temptation. But, you know, yeah, when it comes I, tax time, we might ask them a couple of questions. <laughs> but I also know that, you know, there are times in which we all go through those times in life where we are just not at all living correctly. Mm-hmm. So for me, because of what God has saved me from and rescued me from, I have a lot of empathy, a lot of sympathy for that. And ultimately a responsibility, right? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you've been forgiven yep. much, you know, the 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 what the wicked manager yeah. there that that you've been forgiven everything and right. then you go chase somebody down for a dollar bill, you exactly. know? Exactly. Yep. And so you that that fleshes out in your business. So from a forgiveness standpoint, you know, we talk about with with a Christian business podcast here living out your faith. Yeah. Part of that is the forgiveness aspect and Absolutely. giving other people second chances. Absolutely. And, okay, got you. And I think that sometimes that's really understated, as in I think sometimes what happens is, is when you do come from somebody that's been given grace, it's hard not to give grace. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. It's really hard to withhold somebody's grace. If we've got the where, whether I have a job opening or I have something that could really help somebody, whether they're of Christ or not, it might be the first grace they've ever received. Right. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Will they connect those dots? I don't know. I know this, that Sue and I always pray this, that our intentions and our motives are always genuine. We want people to see that this is not about advancing the profitability of dependable. It's really about us genuinely loving people. Mm. And I believe anybody today can sniff out a hypocrite in a hurry. Mm. Doesn't mean we're perfect. But the baseline of what we do is honestly love for me. And, uh, so that giving grace, et cetera, re- and discipling and, and putting on the Christ face, that requires a lot of do, – do you think that that requires a lot of transparency? I think it does on a lot of 
levels. And how do you balance that with maintaining the concept that, hey, the people running this company do, they are okay, but we, ha- you know, I mean, goodness, your wife's in the office and yeah. you, you have an argument at home and sometimes, right. you know, <laughs> yes, yes, you have a fantastic, you know, God right. is blessing in your marriage, but that doesn't mean you guys don't have. So how do you balance the transparency with a person who you're showing grace right. to and say, number one, my, my, my faults, my sin, et cetera, my, right. my difficulties versus this is a stable situation. Right. This, right. How do you balance those? It's hard. I'll be honest with you. It takes a lot of prayer. And, and my wife and I do not always agree, whether it's right. at home or business. Mm-hmm. There's times. So we, we have great communication. And there are times where she's just like, I don't know. Because you're always looking out. We want to make sure we're not, somebody's not, you know, taking advantage of the grace given. Right, right. You know, so there are times in which there are lines. We still have things in which we got to do. Mm-hmm. Still behavior. You still got to come to work. We still want you to be on time. We still want you to turn in a timesheet that is ethically correct. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's all these things. It, it, it So it really is a, a very much a balance all the time. So for us, I think the only way that we can do is we have to stay connected to the vine. We have to be in the word. We have to pray. We have to let God lead that. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to find where is God leading us in this. And sometimes we have to make decisions right now. We don't have time. We don't have three days to pray about something. We've got to have a decision within a couple hours, or mm-hmm. we got to make that decision right now. Mm-hmm. So we just really try to let the Spirit lead that as best as possible. And if we make a mistake, we got to own it. So, yeah, it is hard. I'll be honest with you. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the thing I want to move to a little bit what we what you kind of emailed yeah. about and it's been interesting I've been on LinkedIn and just kind of watching some stuff and there's there's kind of a whole movement right now or maybe I've just been out of the employer's situation for a while but I see a lot of folks talking employee wise of it's almost this concept of you know the big bad business owner keeping all the profits and not you know it, and and so the the capitalist in me is going, well, you put up the risk, you put up the work. Right. Yeah, you can right. make all that money too. But if you want a no-risk situation to walk right. into and get a paycheck every week, well, you're it's it's an open market. You can right. go work somewhere right. else if you want. Yeah. But I'm beginning to see a little bit in and and that's I think that's the way it really works well. It really works in West Michigan. Yeah. But that's not the rest of the world. I mean, no. you got people in New York City that maybe or 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 Chicago or wherever some of these urban yeah. centers where there may not be very many other options or that there right. are huge businesses that are pushing out smaller businesses. Right. So those opportunities are different. And so the, in terms of treatment of employees, obviously, as business owners, we, yes, we, we have to make a profit. And I'm not going to take on a huge risk business like right. roofing or right. or or, you know, fire protection systems. Right. And give away all my profits because I'm a nice guy right, and because right. Jesus was giving. Right. You know, yep. you're not going to do this for twenty five thousand right. dollars a year in right, income. Right, right, right. Yep. So talk, talk to me some about the balance and kind of what you had in mind when you were emailing and how that works in a market to be good to an employee without. Yeah, you know. yeah. I'll be honest with you, it is hard. As in this, you know, first of all, I think that we have first and foremost, I work for God, mm-hmm. and soon I both believe that. Mm-hmm. And with that, God has been very gracious to us personally. That is, we live very modestly. Don't have a lake house. I don't have a lot of toys. You know, I've got a used fishing boat. And as long as that's not leaking, I can usually stay out a couple hours. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. And why we do that on purpose, because I believe that we have to be good stewards of what God gives us. And I am very 
frustrated because what happens when somebody hears that I'm a small business owner, they automatically go to some things in their head. You can see their eyes roll. Mm -hmm. Like you don't even know what it's like to go to the grocery store. No, I do. Actually, Sue and I, we have midweek date night on Tuesday nights and we go to the local Meyer. Mm -hmm. So I understand what things cost. I understand that they're astronomically raising in cost. So we try to make sure that we live the same walk. Now, like you said, do we know that we have to make a profit? Yes, dependable fire protection to continue this has to make a profit. But there's a lot of ways in which we can do things differently. And I think that's what you're talking about. So for us, we have went through a huge culture change in the last 78 years. And really the culture change to us is, is that we are more transparent than we ever have been. Numbers-wise. Um, Number-wise, where you're headed. You know, before you just showed up to work, and if the owner is going to be going on a different path, he didn't have to share that with you. Normally, mm -hmm. they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. We try to be more transparent. We try to let people know, hey, it's been a good year. It's been a solid year. We, we like to share. We have profit share, and we like to be generous. One of our best things is when the year ends up, and we're like, hey, by the grace of God, we're going to share share some profit. But with that, there's always opportunities throughout any given time so one of the statements, so this didn't come to me like on my own. Before I ended up buying out my last partner, there was a local general contractor that I just noticed they had a couple hundred employees and people loved to work. They didn't have turnover. We were having huge turnover. So meeting with the CEO, I said, would you be willing to meet with me and just kind of explain to me why your culture is so different than everything I see? And he did. He met with me almost a year. So with that, we were able to really start to see some new concepts of living Christ out. Right. And that's really what changed us. <clears throat> so what happens is, is that in culture, it has to change that we stop becoming the, what I would say, the, the mistake is made, find out who did it and crucify them for their mistake, to changing that culture to be a place that you can learn, you can grow, and you can be, you, you are loved enough that you can be honest when you make a mistake. And he told me, and I and I took that to heart. He said, if a if a if an employee trusts you so much that he will tell you of a mistake, that's where you know that you have won them over that they trust you. Got you. Because he said otherwise they're going to cover it up because they don't want to be the one that gets pointed out. Mm. And he said, so you got to change your culture that it is. Hey, and when something happens, we need to teach other people that we don't make that same mistake, mm -hmm. but without belittling or making the spotlight go on the guy that made the first initial mistake. Mm. That, I'm going to tell you that changes your whole perspective. So, so with us, that culture has been that culture change has been really a long process because we were old school. Everybody had to start at the same time. We're all working from here to here, and you know what? There are things in which we have to do that. GCs want our guys in the field to start at a certain time. We're going to honor them. Mm -hmm. But in the office, all the engineers don't have to start at the same time. Mm. Some have to drop their kids off to school some weeks. Sometimes they got to pick them up from school. So we try to build in flexibility, which we never had, so, those type of things. So, so you are trying to, okay, maybe it's not dollars, but you are trying to change the environment and, and, and challenging norms yes. to say, well, normally, yeah, it's a, it's a yep. eight to four job right. and okay, if, you know, so you are evaluating constantly business processes. Right to say, is this really necessary right. to require of our right. employees? So now the dollars seem to be a little less less of an issue. Yeah. So what happens is, is that if you are just going to strictly look at something and, and, and say that our end 
our end product has to be this, this pile of profit, you are missing all those opportunities over here to help somebody grow, to help somebody be part of something that is bigger than themselves. And I think we all desire that. So me as a leader, I got to paint that picture and I've got to be able to show them that they got a safe place here to make mistakes, safe place here to grow. And there's opportunities in this industry. And opportunity in a, was a word yep. that was just, just. You have to show them that because they don't, you don't want them to feel like, Hey, this is all I have. This is all I'm ever going to be. No, we need to paint that. But in that, now that we know that and we try to have those conversations and whether it's in our view process or our, just when I get out to a job site to see them, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm asking all the time, what's going on? What's where we're at? Cause I want to see that because then it becomes now that I know, I feel a responsibility to help them. Even if that means their growth in the industry might lead them even away from me, I think that's the right thing to do. That is what I call positive growth-based culture. And that is, there is a huge trend out there now because one of the things it shows is the byproduct of that is retaining people. Mm. When you don't feel like a number and you feel like your, your, your company you work for is understanding that your company is going to be there in the hard things and it's going to be there in the good times, that's more important than dollars. Yeah. What we find is that relationship, that that right there, if you look at it, baby boomers, it was all about the dollar. Mm. And they are motivated by money. But what we find is these these other these other generations, that's not the most important thing. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to, if you would, use that to our gain, but I think for them to have a happier place to work mm. and be long term. I need to know that's what they really want to see. They want to have an experience. They want to be part of something. Right. And that's different than anything we've ever seen. So with that, I had to get back and really learn. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a, that same company, the guy that I met with, actually wrote a book. Mm -hmm. That book was instrumental to me. I took it on vacation and uh, read that. That was my vacation. Can you give him a plug? What's what? Yeah, plug? yeah. It's be called Become Unmistakable. Unmistakable. Yep. By... And, and it's by Mike Novikowski. Okay. From EV Construction out of Holland. And uh, you definitely want to make sure that it's something that when you read it, it will open your eyes to how their culture gets how it is. Okay. And and one of the things that you do that you talk about in there, and he challenges you because uh, Mike comes from a Christian background also, he challenges you with, if something was to happen to one of your employees and they didn't have the means to help get out of that situation, would you be willing to help? That is, would you be willing to put people over I got to tell you what, I chewed on that for not not a couple days, but a few weeks. Mm. And I asked Sue, would we? Would we? Mm. Mm. And I'll tell you what, because we know that this has to turn a profit to keep going. Mm -hmm. But we came to the conclusion that, yes, if, the, if, if, if God led us to that, yes, we would be willing to do that. What does that look like? I have no idea because they're all been different. It's all different situations. They're all different situations, but I can tell you that there's many of these that happen behind the scenes that nobody else knows about. You know, sometimes it's people that, you know, they're, they have two cars, one car clunks out. Well, you know what? We have things here called day trucks. Nobody needs to know, but you need a day truck for a few days. Go ahead and take it. Get your, get your vehicle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So what, what things, things do you have? Well, yes. you know, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey and the entree leadership yeah. talks about, you know, if you own a tire shop, yeah. your employees don't pay right. retail for tires you got ever, it. ever. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, and that's the, that's really kind of the same thing. So what do we have that we can share? Whether right. somebody needs a warm garage to fix their own car in. Sure. Okay. We offer that up. Hey, come on in on Saturday mm -hmm. and use our tools, use our shop, do what you need to do. 
because it's better than laying out in the snow in the middle right. of January changing your brakes. What do you have? What resources yeah. do you have beyond dollars to help? People Absolutely. Out? And, uh, so, Doug, you mentioned opportunities, yeah. and I want to. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at what I know of your company. Yeah. Right. You got this small office here. We're sitting in. Yep. Thanks for letting us come here. Yeah, absolutely. You got this small office here. You have three drawers, right? Three plan drawers, three estimators, right? Yeah, we basically. Yeah. So right now we're okay. running. Yeah, three. Yep, three engineers. So those positions are filled. Um, so yeah, how apparently. do you create just that as an example? Yeah. How do you create an opportunity for an yep. apprentice walking in the door? Yep. Like you, you had that opportunity where you're an apprentice. You broke your hand, right. Right. and now you're in in yeah. the well. Maybe it's not office work. Maybe it's project manager, but your company is only so big. Right. And if you're going to stay at yeah. four and a half million, there's only so many opportunities yeah. within the company. So how do you create opportunities for people to see that op th that opportunity for growth, et cetera, yep. to either increase their wage or increase yep. their time at home? How do you, how do you? So basically how we end up doing that is, again, I need to know the desire. And then I need to know, I have to be honest and I have to be able to meet with them and say, hey, if this is your end goal, you're short the following things to even be considered. So you, so you, you reverse engineer, you sit with them and reverse engineer goals. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And we, we do that in a couple different ways. We, I am involved in every review that happens here annually. 40 and employees. 40 employees. Yep. Every person I set through every one of them. And the reason is I want to know them. And then I also want to know, I give them opportunities. We give them a couple weeks notice. I want to know from your perspective, because every perspective to me has value. Has value. And I want to let them know that mm -hmm. if you could change it, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And and most of them are very honest. They would just say, hey, you know, I tweaked this or, hey, have you ever thought about that? And we take those very weighted, very, very heavily. So, but then as we go through this and we go through the process, we are basically looking for their gift set. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we use here is we use Clifton Strengths. Have you ever taken the the Clifton Strengths? Kind of like a Myers-Briggs. Yeah, basically what it is, is it's kind of cool. There's 36 personality gifts that you have or traits. And we all have all 36 of them. It's just a matter of what what degree. Right, right. So what we do is we like to put our employees through that. Oh, okay. And then I want to take, and we want to discuss your top five. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because there's usually one that you didn't see. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I didn't know I even had that. Mm -hmm. Neither did I. So, it's usually, <laughs> right. so usually there's one that he didn't know. There's one I didn't know. Uh -huh. And then what we would like to do is say, how do I work you within your strengths? Mm. So sometimes people have a, a goal and they, oh man, I'd really like to be this. And we can look at that and say, you know what? Yeah. And it's one of those things to get from where you're at, to get to where it would be. You want to be ready for the opportunity. It kind of goes back to my football coaching. Mm -hmm. The guy that is the backup quarterback, mm -hmm. he goes through the same plays that the guy in the front. When the opportunity comes, whether that's due to injury, somebody leaves, whatever it may be, that's the same thing here. So we always try to get them along knowing that not everybody stays forever. Some of these guys want to move up because guys retire. Somebody moves up into the design estimate now that he opens up an engineering role. Mm -hmm. But the last thing I want to do is overlook somebody, and I don't want them not to be prepared. Mm. Now, there have been times that that has cost us as independent an employee because they've been hanging on for two years, the position didn't open, and they got a position to go. Mm -hmm. So now do you trust in God? Do I trust in God enough to shake that guy's hand and say, man, I'm here for you? Absolutely. You go. If you need something, if I can help you out, you get stuck. You call me. But we have actually helped train them so he can move on to his career advancement. People over profits. People over profits. You and, are more concerned with his, in his role, you are absolutely. more concerned with his betterment beyond just the dollar. Absolutely. To 
prepare him for opportunities that he may see elsewhere. And then I look at it this way. If God wants him back here somewhere, there'll be an opportunity in the last... It's not like God can't. <laughs> yeah. You just never know. So right. a lot of times we kind of laugh, but we've had a few employees that have been with us four times. No kidding. Four times. Four times. They Uh-oh. move out to move yep, up they, and then they come back and yep, then they move out to move, they move up out, and they come yep, back. Exactly. Sometimes they jump ship and they think, hey, this is going to be better. And, mm-hmm. you know, a year and a half later, it's like, this is no good. Mm-hmm. Come on back. I'd rather step down and, yep. and, and be with Dependable. than. Yep. So we try to just make sure that we keep it on the, the very highest level that we can. Mm. You know, and it's just one of those. So, And I, I know you're a little bit short on time this morning, but because you've got a team meeting going on. Yes. Talk to me. Do you do you need a few minutes of prep no, for no, that? Edit? No, you're good. So that culture, that concept of growing, et cetera, this, so you think when I see these things on LinkedIn or you yeah. see these things in the news of these big, bad, big, bad employers, mm-hmm. your, your assessment is it's not necessarily the dollar bills that people are concerned about. And I hear that in terms of, you know, millennials, et cetera, yep. they're more concerned with a, a, a good work environment. Do you have a, do you have a process where a, a, a specific layout of, of, okay, we're going to take this time now and we're going to figure out, we're going to be creative. Is there a position in the company? Is there, right. is that Sue where, or is that part of reviews where you come up with ideas to, in terms of coming up with mm-hmm. ways to be more flexible? Cause bottom, right at the bottom line is, if Lowe's needs a fire protection system right. and they need it to be done by, you know, October right. 1st, well, you know, right. September 15th, I'm sorry, guys, I don't have the flexibility to say four guys can take a right. week vacation. Right. Do you do you have some kind of process where you try and yep. increase that flexibility? Absolutely. So a couple things. One, we have created hybrid positions here on purpose because the problem is, is like I was thinking, like we have a thing called a project coordinator. Okay, that has been a new process for us, and that came in about six years ago. All the front-end stuff that's required now in us in construction, the meetings, the, the safety plans, all these different front-end stuff, my superintendent just can't do that. Plus, if you would, look over 20 to 25 people. Just doesn't have the time to do that. Right. So we create this situation, and what it is is a hybrid situation. It's a hybrid, if you would. We took some of this guy's responsibilities and some of this. And we don't look at it that this is the position because we have now actually switched coordinators. It can't be the same. The guys aren't the same. So we have to look at what their strengths are. And we say, okay, if we if we take this from you and make this, we, we always try to have flexibility and fluid in that. Where in the old days, there was a manual that said the engineering tech, here is his role. Mm-hmm. You have to fit the role. I think we have to fit the person. You think you create the role to fit. Right. Now, there are still things to be an engineer. you got to be able to engineer. you got to have AutoCAD. Right, you got to have certain right. things. you got to have concepts. But some of that just is not that guy's strengths. Why would we make you work in something that is not in your strength? One, what, 10% of the job is not your strength. Right. So 10% of your work is going to be, we're, we're going to be wasting on you when right. we design that position to fit you. Right. So now 100% of the work is in right. your strength. And now that yeah. other 10% floats to somebody else who's, but yep. because of the job position, the way it used to be, you, you, in the way it used to be, yeah. because that's the job position, right. you're, somebody is always missing something. And, and what happens is, is when you are working outside your strength, it's not a pleasant day. It's a burnout. It's a burnout. It's a burnout. It's stressful. And what we find is, is that we try to accommodate that as much as possible. And that's really tre- team concept mm-hmm. because the engineer next door 
he might have something that the other guy doesn't have. So we might pass that responsibility of the one over, mm -hmm. but we also recognize he's got one that doesn't quite fit him and we'll pass that over to this so guy. So you swap 10% even though it doesn't fit with a typical engineer's exactly. role. Exactly, right. So exactly. we might go to another company right. and see that an engineer right. has all these 100% and right. the guy's doing 80 to, 80 to 90. Right. You have, well, that's the engineer-ish yes. position. <laughs> and that's really what we do. And that's exactly how we explain it. And be, the reason I believe that to be right is because if I know you well enough, mm -hmm. I need to know you well enough to know. Clifton helps me get to what your strengths are, but talking one-on-one, -on -one, knowing your situation, knowing what you're comfortable with, mm -hmm. we can help We can help bring some of those up. Mm -hmm. But I also know that there's certain things that, that, was, that that's just going to be awkward for him. It's going to be not going to be a good situation. It's like taking a quarterback that can't run mm -hmm. and saying, hey, we're going to run quarterback sweep on this play. Really? We, Can I throw the ball? Can't we give it to somebody else to run with it? And I you think, know? I think, Doug, that part of that comes from a willingness to, to say it doesn't have to be that right. way. We don't have to run right. that play right now. There yeah. are other options. Absolutely. This engineer does not have to do right. that. There is somebody else within the company yep. that has that gift. And that's exactly what this the training really taught me. It opened me up to say there is no black and white manual that says, here's how you run a fire protection company. Mm. Just because my competitors run things differently doesn't mean they're wrong either. Mm -hmm. This is what works for us. Why are we a small company? Because I get to know you and I want to grow you. And you know what? Uh, you know what? Now I can put you in the spot, which is best for you. And I really believe happy workers have more production, but that's not my goal. It's just, right. it's an outcoming of. Right. Happy workers have they stay. better family lives. Yeah, and they, they stay. stay. And, Their longevity and, stays. Right. And, and then I get to know somebody. So when somebody says, hey, man, my son's ill, I got to run and get him at school. Yeah, no problem. Would you, you know? say that there is a, there is a, a, a core biblical principle that that leads you to all these processes and these concepts. You see yeah. a core biblical principle in there. Sue and I always try to simplify everything as we can, and we remind each other of this a lot. First, love your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Mm -hmm. What's that mean? We have to stay energized in the work. Mm -hmm. Her and I have to be iron, sharpening iron. Mm -hmm. Got a small Bible study that meets here every Saturday morning in this very room at 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. Ten guys that come in from different churches mm -hmm. and a couple of them are employees and mm -hmm. it's great. That's how I continue to keep myself within the word and grounded. Mm -hmm. And it's one of my big things. But the other thing is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Who's your closest neighbor? It can be a coworker. Mm -hmm. it, it can be a family member. It can be somebody from the church. It can be somebody not from the church. So that's where we continue to do. And we say to love your neighbor, you need to know your neighbor. So um, your so core biblical principle yeah. for the way you handle employees is love. Absolutely. I think you have to come from that first. Don't get me wrong. There are some tough conversations that we have to have sure, sometimes. Right, right. We're all broken. Right. But it doesn't mean that it has to be more than what it is. We try to stay within the realm. What is it? Was it within his control? Was it not within his control? Was it just he had a moment? And then that's where we try to apply truth and grace in that balance. And that, that's how we try to live it. So from the employee perspective, you know, greater love hath no man than this, right? Yeah, that he absolutely. laid down his life for one of his friends. And maybe maybe it, you can s substitute out that he laid down his business for one of his friends and his, his norms, his black and whites that, you know, things used to be in the company 
for one of his employees and that love is, you know, I think about loving my wife, right? Yep. What what creative things can I do for right. a date Absolutely. night, right? And being yep. creative. Yep. And so spending the energy, laying right. down that energy in being creative and creating opportunities right. for employees. Real quick, last last two yep. minutes here, Doug. We we often talk about two guys in on the podcast, and one of those guys is a a Christian who is newly in business for himself. Yep. And then the other guy who is a business owner who is new to the faith. So those guys want to start in the construction. Yeah. Similar situation that yeah. either one of those guys is starting in the construction industry and trying to find figure out how to live out their faith in the context right. of the business God has entrusted them with. Go ahead and give them give them two minutes of yeah. Doug wisdom here. <laughs> First of all, if you're the new guy coming in, first and foremost, you've got to, this business has to be God's. You are just have the keys to the car. You don't own the car. It's God's business. And with that, you have to have faith. You have to pull on God's promises that God is good. God is for you. And God really wants to provide for you. What he provides might not be money. It's going to be opportunity for you to have work. Work is still work. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't look at that as, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. I can't even see up. No, thank God I'm so busy I can't see up. Mm. Sometimes we reverse that and it's like God's trying to bless you, but you're seeing it as it's not a blessing. So for me, and I've had <laughs> learned that the hard way, that and when he gives you a bunch of work and you have not enough workers, pray for those workers. Mm. Because God, if he provided the work, will provide you the workers to do the work. Mm. But you got to let him do what God does. Mm. You're not God. Always remember that. The other one is the one that where, hey, you were not a Christian guy and you maybe you don't have the best reputation. I'll be honest with you. My first years here of being part of an owner, I would probably be what they would consider to be a jerk (laughs) because it was all about the Doug show. And but as God moved me and my wife really helped me as we walked and I started to see I'm not walking like Jesus. Hmm. Jesus wasn't arrogant. It's about humility. Hmm. It's about understanding, empathy and sympathy. And really, when people come and they work, two things that I try to do. One, I want them to feel respected. Every person should be respected. God made you in his image. Two, you need to be appreciated. How do you make somebody feel appreciated in these days? We try to do all kinds of small things to show them our love because not everybody feels loved the same way. Mm. Not everybody likes to have the, if you would, if you're going to tell somebody they did a good job, not everybody not everybody wants to get up in front and get an award. Mm-hmm. Some people just like the pat on the back. Some people like you to send them a card. Some people, well, how do you know that? You got to get to know. Mm. So to me, you lead with humility. You lead with integrity. You own what's yours when you make a mistake. (laughs) I have to do that a lot, you know, because we are. We're still broken. So Mm. if I get mad at somebody and I'm not mad at them, but mad at a situation and I raise my voice, Mm -hmm. the spirit's going to kick me. And I got to go back in humility Mm -hmm. and say, man, I'm sorry. You know, I blew up and and it wasn't right. So. That's what I that's what I would recommend. I think people then see Christ living through you. It's not the Doug show, it's not the Sue show. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to show light in a dark dark world. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Well, Doug, I just want to thank you real quick. How can you know you got guys out there that need fire suppression? Yeah. How can they get a hold of, how can they get a hold of you? You know we're a Located in the big red flannel town of Cedar Springs, so dependable fire West protection. Michigan. Yep, absolutely West Michigan. So yeah, they can just give us a call here right at the office. Google search. Um, yeah, you, you can. Yep, you can Google yep. search. Yep, dependablefireprotection.com is true thing. It wears out your fingers punching it in, but it is a true thing. <laughs> we'll get that posted yep, on our, yep, on our social be awesome. media when we post um, the episode with a phone number. And yeah, 
and uh, they, they may end up talking to you or are they going to get somebody in the office? Yeah, or... yeah they'll basically probably start with my daughter, Afton. Okay. Is, they'll start. She is the kind of the lead voice for us, and, okay. but she'll get you the right answer or right, right place. And yeah, if there's somebody out there, you know, if you're a Christian guy out there and you are looking for coffee to meet and talk, mm-hmm. I am always available. The coffee's Meyer brand. It's it's kind of, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we got a lot of creamer to go with it. But, but you get Doug with ah. it. So that's where it's at. So, that's where it's at. Appreciate well, the opportunity, Aaron. Doug, thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.